Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 6, season 23. Um, a kind of full house this week, we've got our own Bob the Builder, Ryan Champion, hello. Hello, I've just come off a building site. I know, well, like, you'd always just come off a building site at the moment, so hence why, to me, this this particular season you are Bob the Builder. And a, and a dusty building site it is, but there we are, it's better than it being waterlogged. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the dog whisperer himself, Jack Bengen is back, hello Jack. The dog whisperer, wow, thanks very much. It's uh, <laughs> always a pleasure to be here. <laughs> and the big man himself at WRC, the only man who I've genuinely ever seen a photograph of trying to play, anybody trying to play underwater cricket. John Brehel. <laughs> Thank you very much and good, uh, well hello, yes, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are in the world, uh, hello is, is probably the best way of doing it. Um, right boys, it's Rally Sodding you this week, are we going to go straight into it? Are we going to go there? Uh, yes, let's talk first on the road, dust, intense heat, and um, the most beautiful rally island in the world. Okay, well, uh, John, as, as you spoke first, um, intense heat, um, I, I was quite, it's quite nice, actually, because um, hearing, hearing your voice talking about this was also the voice on the little magazine package um, that uh, WRC Plus obviously put out this week. So I heard your dulcet tones as, as well talking about this. Going back... Um, to me, it, it, I must admit, I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised in, in a sense of, I thought this was one of those older events than what it actually was. I didn't realize yeah. it was only 2004. I thought it was this, uh, without really looking at it too hard. I always had it in my head. This was one of these, one of those events that had been around forever, but it was quite a modern event in, 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 in current standards. <laughs> no, it, was, it, it was the one that I used to go to and I think, do I really have to work? Okay. Could I not stay by this hotel bar pool talking to these lovely people in 35 degrees of heat? Because it's quite, it's just, it's stunning. It's very, very, it's an island of great distractions, which you have to avoid. <laughs> it, um, I remember when um, ESPN uh, had the rights to the rally and I persuaded the people in the studio to invite the great Marcus Gronholm into the studio in Chiswick. And I said, come on, let's get him in. He'll love this. So we flew him and his daughter to the ESPN studio in Chiswick, sat him down, made a big fuss about him. And I'm talking to the Jimmy Jib camera saying, oh, and by the way, we've got a rally on today after having done a five minute, in uh, five minute intro of Marcus Gronholm. And it was Sardinia. It was the Sardinia round. And I always remember it. And um, he hated it, but I didn't realise how much until I turned to him after the big intro and said, so, Marcus, do you like Sardinia? And as only Marcus could, he said, no, and ruined the next five minutes of the programme because I was hoping he was going to, you know, wax lyrical about the wonders of Sardinia. But he he hated it. And it's down to rallying in the dust. You If you've just got to square yourself redeem yourself with the fact that you are in the most monumental clouds of dust for three days and everybody else is on the beach supping you know a martini which has just been mixed um i suppose right does it does it help when you do back to back like this obviously we just come from portugal which i suppose is similar to a point but does it get you in the right mindset coming straight from there, you know, especially with only a two-week gap as well. Is this the perfect time to go back to Sardinia for the drivers? I'm sure it is, yeah. I mean, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about a lack of knowledge of things like tyres, the, the new Pirelli tyre, of, um, you know, been back on gravel, etc. So that's all out of the way now. So, yeah, like you said, they're, they're 
very well prepared. They know what issues they had in Portugal. They know what they have to improve. Um, and whilst we expect it to be drier and dustier than than it was in Portugal and uh, and harder on tyres, probably even rougher than uh, than Portugal in places, then uh, they, they they should be well prepared for it. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anywhere where we can see? Because you just mentioned tyres. I was going to come to that in a bit. But you know, the big thing obviously was the tyre nominations before. Um, Portugal. Anybody know where I can look at, look, look to see where we can find whether the Thai nominations have already gone out for Sardinia? Because I'm assuming that's going to be completely yeah. upside down compared to Portugal. There's a, there's a bulletin board on the FIA website that I think usually puts it on, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, oh, that's something. That's something I'd like to. Like. I can only assume, Jack. Thanks for thanks for jumping in because you were going to come in at this point. I can only assume because uh, obviously we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago that. Uh, what they know now and looking at some, some of the, the information after the events and you know I think you know obviously Elvin won and, and we, were, we, had, we had Scott Martin on after that Elvin felt a lot more comfortable on that hard attire um, and a lot more um, confidence I suppose um, uh, moving forward I suppose uh, looking at this event and looking at what what, what he's going to be dealing with that's, that's going to be the tire of choice without a shadow of a doubt yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, we, we talked about, a bit about the tyre last week with Seb, didn't we? And I've, I've got to admit, I didn't realise the problem was quite as big as it was in, in Portugal. And that probably came across when you listened back to the podcast. And I hadn't heard about the delamination that, that Sordo had on the motorway and stuff like that, <clears throat> kind of outside of the stages. So it'll be an interesting one to see how that plays out. I think there's a, there's a few good storylines heading into this event. And the tyre is obviously one of them. I think the teams have obviously got a responsibility to to set their cars up in a way that doesn't burn through the tyre. But obviously, if the tyres are delaminated on a motorway, then that's a different story and there's some there's some work to be done there so that's a good storyline to follow obviously the stages are moving from one side of the island to to the other which hopefully i mean they're all stages that the drivers have done before i think in in either direction so it shouldn't make too much of a difference but it's nice that you know considering it's only eight months since we've been inside in here it's nice that they've kind of tried to to switch things up as best they can with what they've got so so that's good and also obviously hyundai kind of uh to a certain extent, threw away the last event, the, the last gravel event, the first one of the year, and they, they really need to rebound strongly with with Oit and Thierry in this event. So, I think they're going to be um, you know a big part of the storyline, and they're going to be interesting to watch for this event as well. Yeah, I think uh, if, if if ever um, if ever John um, the, the the top man of high and I needs a result, needs needs a good news story um, yeah. is now. Yeah, he had well, he had one, two, three most of Friday, but uh, you know, must have thought he would. Let's finish this here, and I'll sign for this right now, and then we'll go home. We've got everything I want, and then had uh, just Danny on the Sunday. Um, I, I think Danny again will be the strong contender this time around, just because of the road position. It's interesting what Jack says about the tyres, uh, but you know, maybe it's something that the Hyundai does to the tyres. Uh, but Toyota, I don't think have ever won in Sardinia. It's always been a very strong place for Hyundai. Danny's on a hat trick as well. So, uh, you know, you would, if you put all that together, then you, you go and get your mortgage and put it all on Danny Sordo. But you're right. They, the shocking sight of some of those tires and, the, you know, the sound of the story is Danny is trying to be very corporately minded without saying, duh, blew up on me on the Kin motorway, you know, which anybody, <laughs> any normal person, a normal person where that happened if the thing just popped on the motorway you'd be livid um so uh, very interesting that was there not though a big gap between the soft soft and the hard hard which they just couldn't quite get their heads around um and i think here if the speeds are slightly slower 
the damage or the stress might be slightly less, but actually the result of, you know, of a pop, of a puncture, of a delamination of a D-bead or whatever, an explosion of a tyre will be greater than in Portugal. And if it is a really hot Sardinia, they're working under pressure anyway because everything is hot. Everything, everything is hot. Nothing is, you know, is, is cold or, or normal temperature. Um, so they'll be working under that intense pressure as well. And all of these other issues with tyres and grip and exploding tyres are going to seem not just twice as bad, but, you know, five times as bad, ten times as bad. I think that's a really interesting point. Right. I, I, I've done a little bit of tyre testing, probably not quite to the same level as you. But has anybody ever done a study with regards to the speed of you know is it is it better to go faster over the stuff or slower does it does it preserve the tire any better from a puncture point of view mm, um i think it is it, largely down to the surface um uh, you know and and yeah a twistier twistier stages generate heat maybe in a different way you're less likely to see uh, the the delaminations that normally happen at higher speed but maybe more likely to see see punctures um you know i remember and john will remember we've, we've talked about it a couple of times for other reasons but um but cyprus was always known for um other than the nightclubs and the bars that you two were talking about um it was also known for being incredibly twisty incredibly rocky incredibly rough and and, and was very hard on tires and yeah i mean uh, it it will probably work the tyres in a slightly different way to Portugal, um, but uh, yeah, nonetheless, it's it's going to give them a, a really difficult workout. An interesting point that John just made there as well that we've never seen a Toyota win here. I mean, that's that's amazing, isn't it? With the with the the level of uh, not necessarily domination because it's been a competitive few years, but with the incredible when did abilities. They, of, when did they drop out though? And, and only they came back obviously in seventeen, so they've had three yeah, years. Yeah, obviously, so they've only, so they've only yeah. had those those three years but still 98 98 99 something like uh, 99 wasn't it yeah, yeah so yeah. all a bit it's still it's still uh it's surprising to go to a rally that uh that toyota haven't won um but uh, you know all things been equal i probably don't see it this year either really well jack um, thanks for the heads up because i was just looking i've got the the, the the tire allocation now is basically 24 hard and eight soft for this rally yeah. and they get four tires a separate allocation of four tyres for shakedown as well. So um, not quite as much uh, on the management side as, as, as perhaps what they had on Portugal anyway, Jack. No, that's true. Um, but I definitely um, I definitely echo what Ryan said. I think it'll be a difficult first one. Even though he has went three times, Thierry's got two and, and Danny's got two. So I think, um, you know, all, all things considered, I think Highland I will be the team to beat here. But again, you know, we kind of said that before Portugal and expected that before Portugal and it didn't come off. So I think there, there's, there's quite a lot of pressure on that team, you know, heading into yeah. the weekend. Now, here's something you guys will know. In Portugal, there was a lot of crossing tyres across axles, front and back. Uh, you know, one hard in a corner, one soft in a corner. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of chatter about when, if you're going to, because they, they, the great fear of Portugal was they hadn't got enough of the soft because it was cooler. Uh, and everybody wanted to, to go for a soft tire because they were feeling just a little bit uncomfortable, maybe with a new Pirelli, didn't know what it was going to do, didn't have any data, didn't have any information to go back to and kind of cling to like a comfort blanket. And there were tires going on in strange ways. Are we going to get the same here? Because, Jack, you're saying, what, eight softs and 24 hards? Yeah. Every logical bone in your body says it's Sardinia, it's June. Come on, you're not going to ever need those softs. But 
yeah, there's a bit of rain forecast for Sunday and, you know, in Portugal, everybody was saving soft tyres for Sunday for obvious reasons. You get a lot of needy people who've got nothing, no points in the bank and we're looking at Sunday morning as a, a time to... What's, John, yeah. what's the, do you know what the, the, the power stage is? Do you know what the distance is on it? Uh, this one's a short, a short one, but I haven't, I don't think I've seen this power stage. The one before was terrific because it finished, it just sort of fell off a cliff onto the beach and it was a great end. And there'd been a lot of drama down there between Thierry and Seb one year. Uh, then there was the one when, you know, Oit's winning it by country mile and then sticks the Toyota in the, uh, the fence right at the top with about, you know, 10 feet to go. And Danny won that. So I don't know where this, um, power stage is, but you know, will we, if the temperatures are, are weird again, if they are cooler, will everybody want to have a soft tyre? And if you do want to have a well, soft tyre, where in your car do you put it? Well, that will. You see, this is where I'm going, right? I'm sure your mind's gone the same way. If it hasn't, then I'll be surprised. But if you've got a short power stage, surely that's where your softs come in. Surely that you've, you're allocating in, your, in the back of your mind four softs to that. Uh, yes, uh, but obviously then you've got to get get through the loop before then, haven't you? So uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, the power stage is is less than eight k, so it's it's a really short power stage. But um, you've still got the previous thirty eight k to to get through before you get there. But yeah, like you said, that's that's got to be the the place to use them. The, the last day um, is you know tends to be well the longest stage is is fifteen k. Um, so. Yeah, there'll be a bit of strategy that that's playing out there because, as John's already alluded to, unless there is some rain, I mean, what, what you don't particularly want softs, and the only place to use them, as as you've just said, really, would be on that short power stage. But you've got to get to it first. Hmm. Um, uh, John John raised a point before. I must admit, I didn't have the answer. John was I think John relied on the fact that one of us was going to have the answer. Basically, right, it's on your head. Um, the, because Jack's not going to be able to answer with all due respect to Jack. Jack hasn't got to open L, neither have I. Um, the crossing of tyres, um, I've kind of understood it on places like Monte Carlo and stuff like that. Was that just town to tyre management? There was no, um, in inverted air commas genius in the fact that we were going to run one soft on one core and the rest of them were hard. That's just managing your tyres, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. You're right. You know, which, which rear corner you run it on is, it's up to you. You're not going to, you're not going to add up the number of corners in your pace notes, I don't think. But, um, it, it's funny. The whole crossing tyres was something, I think it was probably Seb Lope that, that yeah. first started using this in, in Monty. And yeah, like you say, in Monty, you kind of get it when you've only maybe got, two studs you don't want to put your two studs on the on the front and have turning on the front and nothing on the back so mm. if you cross them you're not leaning quite so hard on the tire so at least the inside tire can do some work uh or the outside tire as it, as it may be obviously you get better turning in one direction than the other in those situations uh for gravel um again it's it's a case of they, the the team seem to favor crossing them rather than you know you could argue that the, the rear does maybe less work but you, you try and keep tyre consistency across the car if you can and certainly even on gravel the, the teams now favour crossing them rather than putting them on you know on the 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 axle that's doing less work so we will inherently see some of that during the weekend I'm sure Tony yeah, think, yes Jack maybe, I was just maybe, to bring in. maybe if you'd have crossed your tyres on Monday you would have gone the right way of that split <laughs> that's a fair point that Jack that's a fair point. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that's where I went wrong. Maybe I used the directional tyre in the wrong direction. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was too easy, that one. That was just yeah, ben, you I think, brain, I think the, only, the only wheel that was going in the wrong direction was the steering wheel. Oh, <laughs> no. oh that was low. I felt that. Yeah. Tony, I felt that one. 
Jack's John. Thanks, John. Considering you're, in inverted commas, the new boy here, John, that the respect that you're showing is phenomenal compared to these two reprobates. That's all I'll say. Well, um, you know, I've never been where you, you guys have. I've never sat in that seat, never wanted to, never could do, except for sitting in Freddie Lodge's Mitsubishi for about 100 yards in Corsica once when I was told not to put it into third gear. Uh, that's a different story. But you see, you need to remember... I was, I told, I was told the same thing on, on Monday. So I, was, <laughs> I, sat put it into third gear. I sat a couple of times with Robbie Head. So, you know, my driving uh, information my driving data bank is extremely bad and extremely small mm, right so was mine so was mine before any of them say for any of them say jack banging anyway um your old your, your old horns um mn this week i've got uh, a bit of a piece it's i think it's kind of gone round anyway in other places as well but it's talking about sebastian Ogier and you know rather than um, thinking about road position he's always going to take points because that was a big thing of course on portugal wasn't it you know what uh, you know, was there any mathematics going on with regards to you know uh, not not putting themselves in that position of, of of being you know in the championship lead at this point? I, I I genuinely think the rally was way too tight for anybody to be doing any mathematics. I, I will say that though. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think we we can get so caught up, can't we, in the whole who's going to lead the road order in the next rally kind of debate. And I, I honestly don't think the drivers think about it that much uh, or as much as, you know, what some people talk about, you know, outside in, in, in the media and stuff like that. But, you know, we've seen Mivoje's consistently proven across his career that he can win rallies from the front and that road order is not a, you know, a particularly big issue for him. And obviously the WRC is very close together at the minute and it's becoming more and more of an issue when, when the times are so close together, obviously these kind of small things become, you know, bigger and bigger issues. But yeah, I think, I think we can read too much into, you know drivers you know starting they, they don't go into the start of a you know a stage on a Sunday in a WRC rally thinking you know where am I going to be in, in the order for the next race in my opinion I, I don't think that really comes in I think if you, if you offer them a chance at winning the rally they're going to go and win the rally and that's going to be the end of it so that's my uh, humble opinion anyway as I haven't been anywhere near it before Ryan Champion says it right have you ever thought about have you ever thought about going in you know finishing a day in a certain position or or whatever on any of the rallies you've done no not really it, uh, I can't say there's been anything I've done where where road position has been has been that key um, and obviously we've seen regulations uh, brought in to, to try and stop some of the tactics that used to go on you know we used to see cars uh, pulling up at uh, the the flying finish board for 10 seconds to to make sure they they didn't get uh, that they weren't first on the road and then the next car would do the same and so uh, you know we saw regulations against that because there was all sorts of trickery that uh, used to go on with, with road well, position there used to be some I seem to do you know the one that always sticks in my head was it uh, was it when Carlos yeah and Carlos Sainz, the focus? Yeah. it was Carlos Sainz and it was very 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 apparent what was going on and the most famous one before that for me completely unrelated to WRC but it was I think it was a BRC round was Mark Lovell doing donuts on the Manx <laughs> to let Russell Brooks win but I think that was team orders as opposed to uh, road position but uh, yeah. I, I remember Burnsy having a having a puncture at uh, at a stage arrival which was unfortunate just uh, got got to the arrival control and uh, took the inside the took, control took, by took any the valve, chance took the valve cap off and would you believe the tire went down <laughs> Alleg yeah. allegedly there was no valve in it but but you know that that could have just been bad luck but there we are Ooh, so we that's a good one to... yeah one more yeah. I forgot to mention Tony obviously uh, Sebastian Auger won all three of his Sardinia uh, rallies from the front as well so if there's anyone who's got experience of doing it then it's it's him obviously well, we're gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll do our predictions we'll do our predictions in, in the not too distant future to be honest with you Jack um, 
I wanted to just come to, and as you spoke last, Jack, you, you can speak first again. Um, we, we talk about, we, we talked about tackle, you know, having you know, such a strong result, obviously, on, on Portugal. As the Gus Greensmith, and we talked at length, you know, about the, the, the advantages of having their experienced voice, you know, alongside them in the car. And, and here we are, you know, unfortunately, Chris, our other commitments before they agreed to team up and another new co-driver for this event. I think I'm the wrong person to talk about uh, co-drivers coming in for one event on her because I think I've had uh, a bit of prior on the podcast for getting this one quite wrong. So I think I, I think I was probably the wrong person to come to. But yeah, I think the, the sad thing was that it was, you know, Gus and Chris starting to build some proper momentum with that rally and, you know, had a great performance. One of Gus's great, you know, favourite events and, and stuff like that. So it's a shame that they've not been able to, you know, have that consistency. And I think, you know, co-drivers and, and drivers will talk about this a lot. I'm sure you and Ryan be a person to kind of start in this perspective, but once you've got the right co-driver in and you build up that that relationship and, and things start to click and things start to go well, it feels like you're unbeatable almost. You've got loads of momentum and, and you feel really strong and confident in the car and, and things are things are going well. So it's it's really good from a mental aspect. So I'm sure, you know, um, it, it's, it's, it's not going to derail us too much, but it, it, I'm sure it would have been nice for him to, to keep Chris in and, and, and keep that mo- momentum going. No, I think you've nailed it. I think you've nailed it, Jack, to be honest with you. Um, Ray, I, I, I will come to you. Obviously, we know, um, Stuart Loudon very well. He's, you know, he's, he, he's been around M Sport for many, many years. It's with Matthew. He does a lot of the testing and stuff like that. So he's going to be very familiar with the car. And I'm sure he's probably sat with Gus at some point on a test or whatever. So it's probably not that big of a jump, but I suppose, you know, the confidence that he would have gained, you know, all the points that Jack just said, really, from, from, from Portugal. Um, you know, it just would have been that. It is it is about momentum, isn't it? And, and I know Gus is, is looking for that momentum. Dark chocolate tea cakes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry, that's all I can well, think of. I was of working on a way to get tonics. Dark in. chocolate tea cakes, they are the future. They're just. So, Tony, Tony, you were right as well. Uh, Stuart sat with Gus in uh, Germany in 2018 in WRC. Yeah. So. Sorry, I forgot we were talking about rallying. I just, I just <laughs> I can't understand why I just thought of chocolate there. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, Tonics are a winner. I think um, if Chris could give Stu one word of advice, it would be take 10 to 20% of Gus's notes out. And whenever he has one of those moments, you know, that you have, I don't know what sparks it with a kind of, I can't do this, I can't drive this kin car, then uh, what we saw from Chris was being a, a fatherly role, you know, watch your language, concentrate, calm down. Did you hear that? A little bit, it might be more difficult for Stu to do that, but uh, I'd take 20% of his notes out because apparently that's what Chris has done. He's gone through and said, you know, a lot of this you don't need. So simplify, simplify. Uh, but I, I think the good thing is he's got those rallies under his belt with, with Chris now, and, and so he's he'll learn from that experience and he'll take that forward with, with Stuart in, uh, in Sardinia. So... Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's not ideal to swap. Some some drivers swap easier than others. I mean, obviously, we you know we heard it with with Thierry Neville when he swapped co-drivers. There was real specifics to his pace notes in in the way that he needed his pace notes delivered. That that I think was maybe more difficult to adjust to than than other people dare I say so um hopefully she'll just jump in there Gus will have learnt from from what he's been doing with Chris and, and continue that on and yeah obviously it's, it's not an ideal situation but um I think uh, I still expect Gus to, to go quite well having had such a strong performance in Portugal um we'll come to young young Solberg unfortunately he was meant to be 
um, starting this event. Unfortunately, the dreaded COVID is 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 put pay to that, and uh, a little bit of a shame for 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 for, for Aaron Johnson, blessing, because he was obviously he was his his WRC debut was curtailed. Um, you know, right at the beginning of the season, getting into a World Cup. Um, obviously, our own our own Seb substituted at that point, but um, yeah, you know, we're, we're, uh, there was a lot that happened obviously before um, before Portugal with regards to COVID tests and, and and everything else, Jack, and you know, some people upset and frustrated and things. So obviously, everybody's trying to have a straight bat in this instance and 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 not uh, not even not even trying to do the event. Yeah, I think if we if we've seen anything from from what happened with OCV being in Portugal, it's 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 definitely best to err on the side of caution and I, I think um you know what they're doing, you know the Solbergs and 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 Aaron definitely the the right thing and you know it's 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 never going to be nice to to spend so much time building up to an, an event and getting excited about returning to a, a WRC car and then for it not to happen is is really sad, you know. And especially as you mentioned for Aaron, who's not had that that run in the WRC car yet in 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 a WRC event proper. So yeah, uh, you know, it'd be uh, it'll be nice to see them back on the stages. And we saw, you know, from the performances earlier in the year that the the quality's there and and Oliver does belong in uh, in a proper WRC car. So it'll be good to see, you know, how they are when they came back. I did laugh when I saw. Um, Dirtfish have uploaded a story this morning um, about Nikolai Grizan, who I'd mentioned on the podcast last week as being, you know, someone who should be in contention for for a WRC seat in the future, or he should at least be, you know, being talked about in that conversation. And uh, Dirtfish have uploaded a story of the headline: Grizan feels hindered without special surname, <laughs> which, really, which, which which really made me chuckle, and is just totally like shots fired. Uh, at the at the opposition, so uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how Nikolai and Oliver get on in the service part next time they're around each other. Um, yeah, I've just clicked on it now. Um, yeah, we this, all this, famous this, dance. yeah, it's yeah, it's not. Uh, it, 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 let's put it this way: it's straight to the point. To the point, no faking. In the words of, in the words of, um, what's the bloke's name? Who's that? Give us a clue. Ice, ice baby. What was the name of the bloke who sang Ice Ice Baby? Oh yeah, vanilla, vanilla, vanilla ice. Vanilla ice, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should I think be, you know. guys, I should not be the one telling you like that. What did he not actually? Did he... It didn't actually sing it, wasn't that the whole thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're thinking of Millie Vanilli. Oh, okay. Uh, now that song features in the Curry Top Ten. Wow, oh, I'll you slow you down. Anyway, let's go back to Sodden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's no, go. Absolutely. Let's mention uh, while we're on Dirtfish as well. We should probably mention that, that they have um, sort of put up a story this morning saying that OJ could stay full time with Toyota if he wins the 2021 title. Which more uh, obviously great journalistic work from David Evans doing his usual sniffing around the service park and finding out these kind of interesting bits of information. But I think that's the last thing Hyundai I want to see, isn't it? While they're uh, kind of in a in a bit of a in a bit of a funk, shall we say? Is that fair to say? I think so. After Portugal, yeah, I think they were in a bit of a funk in Portugal. long-term contracts here at Hyundai, where you've been for a while, and what do you do? You go and reward me with that. <laughs> it's like so, it's like Auger used to be indecisive. Now he can't be. Now he can't be sure. You know, it's just as well there isn't any split junctions on WRC stages. Or else he wouldn't know which way to go, would he? 
Yeah, Do you know what I, I would know. say? In a place like Portugal or, or Sardinia, I'd like to see somebody lie to him about what tyres he's got. You know, tell him he's, go, he's going out on uh, one set of tyres, you know, and that he's got to play it this way, he's got to play it that way. But actually, they were a completely different set. And the point I'm trying to make is, you know, you could send Seb Ogier out in um, Sardinia almost on a set of tyres that I've got on my car, and he'd still come in <laughs> five seconds faster than everybody else, and the tyres would still look immaculate, and he still wouldn't know what the fuss was about and i think that's that's just part of his genius agreed and what sort of he's got just they just need to be round they just need to be back and maybe we'll have five possibly six ah oh, fantastic you were canking in line black round pirelli yeah. <laughs> still 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 as stage ends go doesn't get any better than that does it that's one of the greats that one that is one of the greats this is absolute rally Absolute Rally continues to be partnered by the Kielder Works team, who remain fully committed to the sport and are pioneers of the latest technology. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for all forms of competitive action. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally. Um, I, do you know what? I, I just, I've just been looking at the entry list for, for, for this coming weekend. And as ever, because normally where I'm seeded, because before, again, before Ryan Champion says it, um, I, I always have a look at what, you know, we, we've all been talking about how rough these events are. Um, and I'm always fascinated when you look at the last car on the road. <laughs> God, who is it? And it's, just, it, well, it's... Uh, it's not piano, is it? There's a guy called Donald, Piano. Donald... Donald, Donald Donaldino Raphael, and he's in a Citroen DS3. No, it's, that's, that's EWRC. That's the wrong way around. It's Raphael Donadio. Of course it is. Sorry, <laughs> um, I got it the wrong way around again. Thanks, Simpson, um, <laughs> Simpson yeah. Tony. Yeah, that's me. Um, <laughs> God, he doesn't know his left from his right. He doesn't. <laughs> Show whether I'm coming or going. Um, easy for Citroen. them to say, isn't it, Tony? It's easy for them to say. It is, it is, mate. You know what I mean. You got you put your head above the parapet, and this is what happens. Um, Take a deep breath. I am. I'm there, John. It's all right. Thanks for the focus, mate. You see, tr- dealing with a pro, it helps. Um, oh, well, I was going to get trying to say. I am. I'm trying. To, well, I've been trying to get to say the word R1. Feels like for about twenty minutes now. Um, yeah, a DS3, a DS3 R1, which um, to me would be the most ill ill prepared. Yeah. The homologated car to do the roughest events at WRC, right? <laughs> yeah, and, Italian. And, and, it must be Italian. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there, surely. If you, he is, no, he, he's definitely Italian, John. But you know, the, the, the DS3s. There was two DS3s. There was the R3 car, which was a proper little machine, and there was the R1, which really nobody took up. It was it was basically a defunct class. Really, there was only the Fiesta R1, there was mm. the Twingo R1, and there was the DS3 R1, and nobody really took it up because they were too expensive, really, for what they are. So, can you imagine what the road's going to look like when he gets to it? Uh, well. I can only I can only relate to it when I can remember doing GB in a in a, a group NST and you know your notes went out the window because you just went on the rails that had been created by yeah. all the world cars, all the R5 cars, or what you know, and and then all the other group M4 wheel drive cars, and then little old us. So I just feel for that guy. And wasn't um, wasn't and the R1? But there was good reason for not having an R1 Fiesta, wasn't it? A five door as well. No, you could have it. It's it, a bit of a mix-up, a bit of going on because there was MS1 and there was R1. Now, MS1 was kind of like, 
um, like a national type car, which I think was slightly more open. But the only R1 car that was kind of built was a four door car. And I think M Sport built two yeah, of them. Well, that's, that's and what I said. No, yeah, but there was, uh, do you want me to tell you why there were built into four door shells? Do you want me to Go take on, you there? Tell us. They were five okay. door, technically, not four door. Cause it didn't have a, five didn't door, have a okay. Um, it was to do with the fact that a whole rook of those five door cars had been sent from Ford in America. So they had tons of five door Fiestas. And it was a way of doing something with them. And ironically, the only man I remember in one was Gus Greensmith. Didn't he have an Alpha <laughs> Fiesta? Yeah, he did. And that, that recce car ended up, well, it ended up as a recce car for Tom Williams. And Tom Williams uh-huh. um, sold it on not so long ago. So, yeah, they ended up becoming recce cars, as, as most little Group N cars did in the end. But, yeah, the reason why, there was no nothing to do with design. It was more due to the fact that all those cars have been used by Ford in America, and they've been given out to people to write diaries. So go and take a car and go on a holiday, go and have a week, and write a diary of your experience with, with, with the Ford Fiesta. It's, and that's what people did. And it, was all, it was all part of a marketing thing, and then they all got went back to Ford, and then they were all given to M Sport. Dear Don, this car would not make a very good rally car. <laughs> yeah. For anyone who go for, on, for anyone who gets bored of us talking about the rally pyramid needing to be simplified, that ten minutes was a great example of why. <laughs> uh, but in other news, good luck to Raphael. Uh, we can't we can't yeah. promise to have him on the podcast next week, but we will update on his progress. I'd love to get piano yeah. on the podcast. Piano. Go on. Go on piano. 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 Yes. Car fifty five. He's in a Fabio R five. I hope he goes in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So do I. So do I for his sake. Yeah. Because if he doesn't, I'm going to get him on and then you're going to give him the same abuse. And see how brave what you are. We really need, what we really need is uh, get a co-driver for Piano and you'd call him, he'd have to be somebody Forte, wouldn't he? So you got Piano and Forte and that really would, that would be, that would, we get that into every programme. That sounds like something should be in your book, John. <laughs> piano, Forte. I, 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 can, I can imagine you John talking about piano this weekend though that, no, that's got, that's got to be, before, this weekend. to be honest we occasionally I go like you do I look through the whole list and then you know you get a Sardinia and you look at that entry number you know 64 or 128 million and think piano is that really his name or is he just having a laugh with us does he just want to have a bit of fun with you know commentators who stage commentators and here comes piano and he just looks around for the kind of the sneakers going oh. in the crowd his real name I is can- probably something like John or you know Steve or so whatever the Italian equipment is but he's decided for this he's going to be known as Piano I can remember uh, again and you'll remember this right I can remember Johnny Wigmore um, always I think he had Wiggy on his license I think he actually had Wiggy as opposed to Wigmore and he always had Wiggy on the back window and it all it all corresponded and for years I didn't know his name was Wigmore (laughs) yeah True. Also, piano, piano is French, so he would have a. I, I imagine he would have a French first name. Yeah, Pascal. Yeah. Well, you don't. That that doesn't always work that way. No, does it, it doesn't always necessarily. But I was just, I was just. Because I was like before parents, someone wrote in and said Dave. he's not Italian, he's French. I was just kind of politely correcting that in a, in a way that wasn't particularly obvious, but now is very obvious because I've just said it. No, Jack, he's he's, yeah. he's French. So he's making a special effort because, you know, you'd, you'd pick something in Corsica or you'd pick something, you know, Monte Carlo or maybe like that. But he's coming to Sardinia. <laughs> actually. 
I want I want delivery of the car to be black and white. How good would that <laughs> oh, be? That's, no, that is good. That's that's the best one. Yeah, I I, I think that'd be perfect. I think that'd be perfect. Right, um, before we move away from Sardinia, boys, we are going to do the brave bit of doing predictions for Sardinia. Um, so, um, ranking champion. Well, I think based on their performance in Portugal and based on the fact they must get their ducks in a row very soon, I do think it's going to be a Hyundai um, weekend. So, uh, as he looks so strong in Portugal, I'm going to go Oitanak for the win. Um, then who do we go for second place? Well, it, as I think Jack already mentioned, Danny Sordo would be on a hat-trick. He's got a good road position. Um Thierry Neville, oh, I don't know, he needs a result, doesn't he? But but there always just seems to be something stops Thierry. So I'm going to go Danny Sordo second. Um, and I think it'll be a Toyota on the podium, but which one? Um, and oh, you just never really mount here. Seb Auger to be third. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jack, Jackie Boy banging. I'm going to go Neville, Auger, Sordo. You do this to me every time, Tony. Yeah, I know. It, it, you buy now, John, you should know the brief. Yeah. Let's think, let's think, let's think. You see this? You, you, can't, you can't go for Solberg this time, though, can you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, I'll go with wild card. Uh, debut win, Kalarov and Perra. Uh, I'm saying with you, Thierry Neville needs a win, but wait, something gets in the way of Thierry Neville winning, and often, whisper it quietly, it's Thierry. Um, but I'll say... <laughs> Ravenpera, Tanek, Nerville. Okay, and for the record, I went Sebastian OJ for the win, Oitanek second, Elvin Evans third. Mm. OJ for the win, wow. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, as uh, as, uh, I think you said before, Jack, it's not to be forgotten that Sebastian OJ's won the event three times from the front. So, there you go. Um, so we've done Sardinia, boys. We, we're, we're, we're on the point of the podcast um, where we get to, to, to AOBs for this week. Um, so, or do we do the elephants in the room and then do AOBs? We should do the elephant in the room because probably 40% of the people who've listened to the podcast have had no idea what's going on for the past hour. No idea of why you've been having some lazy pops at me <laughs> all the way through. Shall I set this up, ladies and gentlemen? Tony had a drive at the weekend... And uh, it was an event that he has a few issues with, and it was a performance that he has even more issues with. Tony, how was your weekend? Shocking. Was that your weekend or the and event? The, and, that's when, that's when I, and, that's, and that's when I drive out of the control. <laughs> 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 that's my stage. Uh, sorry, we only, um, this is another one for you. Sorry, we only have, uh, we've got 30 seconds left before. Uh, tell us why. Okay. All right. A couple of things. Right. Uh, I have to say a massive thank you to to, to, to um, Rally Sport Connections, Tommy Buckley Jr., who gave me a great opportunity, great car, and the guys at MRF really really got involved as well. And I got some great tyres from them and everything else. So absolutely packaged, absolutely perfect. But, and this is me, hand on heart, I will answer, the, answer this, and I've asked, a few people have called me, dropped me a message, I've been really straight and honest. Um there's a long reason which I conveniently forgot about of why I don't do single venue circuit based events. Okay. Um, because in my head, 
um, that's where I started 22 years ago. And that's what I work to get away from. And they're not rallies. They are timed sprints. Um, and you've got other people around you as well. Uh, which I'm not particularly used to and normally why I get black flagged when I go karting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> true story. Uh, always it happens. Uh, I don't like having other people around me and I suppose I got caught up in the fact of the car that I was going to be driving. The other side of the coin, and I'm not making excuses because I've said these things all along when, it's, when I've spoke about circuit type events. Uh, me personally, as I say, and I've said this, I put something on Facebook about this. This is my personal opinion and I'm allowed to have it having done what I've done for the 20 years I've done it. Um, 90% of the rallies I've done are on, were on gravel. So it's not like I've done loads of tarmac rallying either. Um, so when you put it all, if I wrote all this down before I'd even gone with this, I probably would have went, you know what? We probably shouldn't do this. We should probably save, save some money and go and experience the car on gravel because that's where you're most comfortable and that's where you've done most of your rallying and, and, and go that route. But I kind of got caught in the moment and thought, you know what? It's a really good opportunity. The deal was fantastic. Obviously, in inverted commas, it's a safe place to go and, you know, go and do a rally. There's runoff areas and stuff like that. So I kind of, put all those bits in but didn't truly think about the sport inside of it which is what i really enjoy um and within very very quickly apart from the fact that i did something really stupid i'll come to you right and i'm looking for some solace in this but we had the quick run in the car on thursday just to acclimatize and learn launch and stuff like that um one thing because we went to a go-kart try, I did try the ham mm. now I don't know if you've ever done that right where you've done a, done a, you've done a shakedown of a car and you've not tried the handbrake. You probably That's haven't. Usually, it's usually the thing I pull at the first corner, first corner honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you see, I didn't. And within very quickly, I realized that the first four stages was out of the pit straight and it was a tight hairpin left. So very quickly, it was like, well, we're going to have to try and find out the hard way of of how this handbrake actually works. And I think I mon monumentally got it wrong about four well, times. A handbrake, so, a handbrake, universally, you sort of pull it and it locks the back wheels. Yeah, I, you see, this is where I'm trying to actually have a conversation with you. And I'm, I'm just realizing wondering how different that was to any other car you've driven. Well, um, how much pressure, how much harder. Bear in mind, I've never drove a four-wheel drive car competitively. Bear in mind, I've never drove a turbocharged car competitively before. So I was trying to get a little bit of assistance from you, right? But clearly, <laughs> just I was the dickhead in this. If you're in doubt, put the clutch in, you'll be fine. Yeah, well, there you go. If only, if you were there with your, your model guidance and your handbrake <laughs> guidance at the weekend, that would have been more <laughs> Um So, um, so taking that into account, we'd screwed up the, you know, the start. Uh, on, on the first four um, in, in, in varying levels of, 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 of just mistake. Um, and then just, just to, to put it into context, is it a car where you need the launch? Because uh, just, just for anybody listening, it maybe hasn't explained launch control. Some cars have launch control, and in theory, it just gives you the best start. Other cars are almost impossible to get off the start line if you don't use launch. So, mm -hmm. Skoda, uh, you tell me I've never launched I, a Skoda. So. I would say... Um, you need launch if you want to get away clean because you, you know as well as I do, right? Or anybody's, they, they don't like moving slowly. Um, you know, and I, in all seriousness, 
you're trying to maneuver one and hold it on the clutch and, and everything else is very, very difficult. Those clutches don't like, it's not like you can have to be sat on the clutch for ages either because obviously how expensive they are and things like that. So this, you know, this, the launch pro- process is basically road mode, first gear, um, press launch, f- foot to the floor, um, and that's it. And you just, you kind of finally, finally balance it just on the clutch bite. And it launches it properly. Trying to do it without using launch control is very, 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 very difficult. And you end up just having to rev the bollocks off it, to be honest with you, and just hope for the best. Um, because that was, that was something else I had to do because, um, even though we run at 30 seconds, um, the launch process takes 12 seconds. And by the time you line yourself up on the start line for the first stage, um, you've already lost 10 seconds by the time you get your car straight and you got driving up to the, the man with the stick. Um, and when I said to Ian, my co-driver, how long he went nine seconds. So I was like, well, there's no point trying to use the launch control. So I had to do one of those, just hope for the best mm. off the start line with no launch. And the only way you could do it with the, the way the clutch is in them is to give it lots of revs and sound like a tool, sound like you're revving the bollocks off it for no reason. So, um, so yeah. So, um, in essence, um, chicanes, I was coming to, you know, on one, on one run, there'd be a, sh- it'd be a second gear chicane the next time round somebody had knocked it to smithereens and you could go through it flat oh, no. it it was just it, honestly it was just mayhem and we caught cars on the the, the dust in the they, they used some of the roads on the the outside of the circuit and it was very very dusty i ended up stopping because i just didn't see the point in, in, in wrecking the car um being honest i wasn't really fighting for anything but yeah. We just didn't get any clean stages, and I remembered why I didn't do those things, I think, very, very quickly within the first. And it's nothing to do with my performance. I, I could have genuinely won the event, and I'd still have these fooey <laughs> beliefs. It's just not rallying just, to me. Uh, just going back to the handbrake thing again for, any, for anybody listening that probably hasn't driven a four-wheel drive rally car, it is a bit different. You have to be a bit more aggressive, don't you? Because there is handbrake release. It's yeah. disconnecting the, the drive effectively to the rear wheels, and you have to be very positive with it. It's not like a, a front-wheel drive car where you just, just touch it. You, you've got to really commit to it. Um, when you yeah. turn, is it on hairpins, is it still the way Mark Higgins tried to teach me in a forest 20 years ago? Turn, clutch, pull on the handbrake he said tcp as one of the few things i've remembered from <laughs> 2002 or 2003 they arranged for me to go and see higgy and he put me in one of his cars and he, i've never seen a man look so disappointed at the end uh and he tried to teach me how to do a handbrake too. he just said tcp turn clutch pull is it still like that these days um i, I could have done with that <laughs> at, at the weekend because genuinely um and again, all joking aside, I'll, I'll, I always, I always tell it exactly as it is. I got into such a flap, bearing in mind how many rallies I've done, um, with the basic stuff. It, it was very difficult to do the obvious stuff. Yeah. Uh, to, to answer your question, John, it depends on the car. Front wheel drive, I would rarely dip the clutch. Rear wheel drive, you always dip the clutch. Four wheel drive, it depends on the car. Um, with handbrake release, it's not always necessary, but if you if you're in a car, a tarmac spec car, it's very grippy. 
Um, or, or actually, we saw it in Portugal. Good example. So um, I can't remember now. Was it sword or maybe handbrake on a hairpin? And it was just such low speed that he probably yes. didn't put the clutch in, and it yes. stalled. So if you think there's a chance that the revs are going to die, you dip the yeah. clutch. Yeah. Uh, actually, in terms to get it to handbrake, you don't need to. Yeah. But but always, if it, if it's very low speed, I would just dip the clutch. Because you see that that yeah. sword situation in Sardinia, five. 5k is too fast into that maybe 10 let's say somewhere around there you're going to slide through that hairpin and into a, at the outside of all those corners is is loaded is six inches deep in sand and you know dust and gravel and that's where you lose it and on the power stage in sardinia that was always where people lost it without dipping the clutches they and they the car then drift into you know six or eight inches deep of sand that had been in the road and they couldn't get out or well, they couldn't get out fast and you know five or ten ten fifteen seconds was lost all because of not being able to do what you need to do and sardinia being having those sorts of corners i think this is a really good place to stop because i've been compared to danny sword <laughs> so just for me that's where we just a quick on how did you go wrong at the split what happened? I've been again. I'll, I'll, I always tell it water and all. So um, I've been trying to get past somebody for quite some time, and they weren't really playing ball. And we weren't a million miles apart performance-wise. But I was, you know, well, to be fair, I did take thirty seconds out of them, but I just couldn't get around them. Mm-hmm. And I kind of probably got the red rag a little bit, mm-hmm. and I was right behind them, and I wasn't really listening. And we, I was that close. They just dived left last second. And at that point, I'm already past mm. the split. If maybe, if so, maybe if Tim had said, please, like I do to Ryan Champion, <laughs> maybe you would have listened. Oh, maybe. And his name's Ian. But oh, sorry. To be fair. Tim Bevan. Yeah. No, his name's Tim Bevan. Yeah. Bevan the his name's Tim now and he's changed his entire because yeah. he doesn't want ever be so, so that's what happened and then I'll be honest <laughs> for shit and giggles I stayed out because <laughs> I thought well the rally's screwed anyway so we're going to go and have some fun so I actually stayed out for two extra laps fair enough <laughs> why not considering the amount of stage, stages that we lost because that's the other thing that you know, uh, we'll we'll probably do a little bit more on this. I'm hoping to get somebody on who who, who from from the BRC side of things, um, yes. either one of the drivers or, or, or whatever. Um, next week, I've reached out to a couple of people, but it's uh, it's smarting for one or two. Mm. I think it's fair to will say. You be, uh, what happened? Will you do week. round two, Tony? Uh, will I do round? Ra- it's uh, well. This is the event was actually the open round of BRC, and it was the second round. I think it was, Jack. Yeah. Of, of of the the the, the circuit championship um no um we were we were kind of contemplating it um before the event and then as i say within a couple of stages i kind of went this it just didn't feel like my domain and there's nothing to do with the car the team whatever it just didn't feel like my domain and i genuinely can't wait to get back um to i'm not going to use the term proper because that's really disrespectful i think it's just a, it, to me it's like a different sport yeah. it genuinely feels I, I like think, a different I sport think I extremely get... uh, polite tony and respectful because yeah, yeah. you know that that event didn't belong in the brc it's never been designed to be in the brc it's it's oversubscribed by like 40 cars every year and adding the brc 
was obviously going to cause some some scheduling bits that were not going to work out particularly well and maybe some entries didn't get in or, or whatever and you know the, the organization side of things was always going to be difficult but at the end of the day the brc needed a rally and we're in the middle of covid in the middle of the pandemic so the brc could have or it could have the event at alton park you know some people liked it some people didn't but you know hopefully going back to next year when when things are back to normal people like you want to do proper full-on gravel events we'll have a full brc calendar that you can go and play with and the people who want to do the circuit events can can do the circuit events i think, I think I, you know i just i just think there's a t i think there's a time and a place for, for, for everybody and i appreciate for anyone who's done a, a circuit event as a rally we'll know how different that is to a stage rally it's it's it's, it's it is it is it's, I, I don't think i'd go as far as to say it's a different sport but i totally understand what you mean when you say that because it's it's massively different it's it's so different well i i had a conversation with somebody and i, I i've got mates who do them so you know there's always a bit of back and forth and i use this analogy um and somebody was talking about you know i don't even know the names of corners at, at, at circuits and you know they were talking about corners at, at alton he said oh you know when you get it hooked up through there and hooked up through there i went why don't you just go saloon car racing <laughs> and do that circuit <laughs> and i said you can't genuinely stand in front of me i said i'll tell you what i'll do with you i said next time ulster's on or the manx is on or something like that i'll pay your ferry Okay, you go and do that event and you go and do tour ed at midnight in the dark and then come back and tell me you've done the same sport. Yeah, good point. Well, well all that aside, Tony, for anybody yeah. who hasn't driven an R5 Fabia, which is probably most people listening, what was it like <laughs> to drive? The car is, the, the, the car is, it is genuinely fantastic and I'm not just saying it. I think, um, and it also, you know, joking aside now, right, I built it up before I drove it in my head because I've only ever drove small front-wheel drive cars. And so in my head, I was kind of thinking, I'm, I'm getting into this beast, which is going to need massively manhandling and everything else. And then I, I drove it, albeit at a go-kart track, um, on the Thursday, just kind of to just familiarize myself with where everything was. And it was, uh, easy is the wrong word. It was easier than what I thought it was going to be. Now, granted, I probably only got somewhere close, like four or five tenths. I'm not, I'm not saying for one moment that I could, I've got the ability to get anywhere near the sharp end. Far from it. Um, but it was surprisingly easy, right? And, uh, and that, in, that is why I guess we see R5 has, has been such a successful uh, format and category because they are designed as a, as a customer car. Ultimately, they're designed and built for the end user in mind whereas the world rally car isn't and and that's why we're seeing you know quite a lot of wealthy amateurs now even swapping from potentially faster wrc cars to an r5 car because they're cheaper to run and not cheap to run they're cheaper to run and uh, and probably easier to drive it's why you have to respect people driving r5 cars at a world level and a national level and stuff like that as well because you know as tony's just described you know they are relatively easy to jump into if you've got a bit of rallying experience or a lot of rallying experience to to get in and drive quickly but to to find the the seconds and and tenths per per kilometer that these guys are finding is uh, i think tony you've probably got an even more appreciate bigger appreciation after doing that rally of just how you know how incredible these guys driving the r5s at a world level and at a european level and at a national level uh, oh. how you know how good they actually are to extract that speed from something that is easy to drive 
I can. I kind of knew it, Jack. Um, yeah, I think we can all sit here and, and say we know, can't we? But I, then when you actually do it, I, it's a different kettle of fish, isn't I it? I think. What I think. I think. I think when you. What I think when you go and do it, and to be fair, I could have had exactly the same conversation even after doing you know, the short test that we did. Is, is what I'm yeah, saying yeah. now. I think. I think. I think what I found mind blowing, which I still. I still think it'll take me a couple. If I drive it again on tarmac or whether we do anything else with it, I, d- I don't know at the moment, genuinely. But one thing that did kind of I found mind blowing is the brakes. That is the thing where you go, all oh, right, and you, to 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 keep up with to keep the engine speed up with your braking, you are literally braking and going down the box at the same time. You know, there's no. It's hard to it's it's hard to explain. Um, I don't know whether you can. You could get this across any better than me, right? But um, the braking and trying to keep the engine on 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 song, if you like, trying to keep it on camera, or whatever. You are literally braking and banging it down the box as yeah. quick as you can to keep because, it. Because you've got you've got diffs helping you slow down. You've got four wheel drive car with diffs, and, and and literally that's helping it slow down. So you can almost jump on the brakes, not quite as hard as you can, because you can lock up still. But yeah, you can stop the car very very quickly. Um, and and like you said, I mean, huge brakes, good grip from the tyres, and and that's probably when you jump into to something like that, it is probably the most surprising thing because with the air restrictors, honestly, do they feel that fast in a straight line? And they're okay. Don't get me wrong, they're quite fast, but they're not anything well, like a WRC car. But but the way no, they stop with with the the latest dampers, brakes, and particularly tyres and diffs, then uh, then it's incredible. Well, I know. I think on on the straights I was I was on the Red Limited in fifth gear on on most of the straights, uh, which is like and you know in our times were shocking. Don't get me wrong, but there was a lot going on there as well. But uh, you know, so I know there was definitely sections where I thought, well I can't go any quicker than this. Now, where the difference I think comes from is the braking, is the corner speeds, and having one the ability, two the knowledge, the backstory of. I've done this before. I know what's I know what's going to happen. I know what the the car is going to do. Um, I know what the tire is going to do, etc., etc., etc. I didn't obviously didn't have all the backstory of of that. You know, my 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 was a journey into the unknown. And uh, you know, even even the last stage we did, which was probably one of the better stages we did, as uh, ironically was was you know the the amount of learning. I to me. I did a very, very, very public test. <laughs> I think it's the best way of putting it. Um, because we didn't go there with any preconceptions, um, in all seriousness. Um, but I knew no matter what, there was nowhere to hide either. And it, it was actually, Will you get another go in the car? Um, I could have that car, um, whenever I wanted it, if truth be told. And I'm in a nice position where I can say that. I don't, and I don't say that lightly because, you know, I feel very privileged to, to, to be in that position as well. Um, the big question I've got, and again, warts and all, as ever, as I try to be, is that I think there's levels, and I think the level I've been at for a number of years where I compete in the cars I compete, I've always been competitive, and I enjoy being competitive. Yeah. And I think that's maybe my level, and I think it would take a hell of a lot to be in the same position in an R5 car and a lot of money as well. Yes. And yeah. my ego, as I get older, doesn't need me to spend that money. Yes. Yeah. And that's the difference. Now, if you can disengage your ego and, you know, um, it's difficult because, you know, I'm not just saying this because he's my mate and he's here, but Rai was competitive. 
Brian was always competitive in whatever he drove. It took me a great number of years to get to that point where I can say at least I'm competitive at my level. For me to just go and be, just go and do it for the sake of doing it is very, very difficult. And you know what? It's That is absolutely fine because if you encountered a man on the street playing five-a-side football and you asked him, are you going to be a Premier League footballer? He'd say, no, I'm playing five-a-side on a 3G pitch that's outside my house on a Tuesday night with my mates and I go for a beer afterwards. Yeah. That that man, that or, or, or woman, if, if it's a woman playing football, have found their level and they've accepted it. And yeah. in motorsport, we just can't reconcile that. No, no, no outside person can look at someone finishing eighth in you know whatever championship I cover, IndyCar, Formula One, whatever. If you finish eighth, it's not good enough. It's, it's unacceptable. Yeah. People can get to a level and compete and be happy and enjoy it. And that's part of the sport. And if those people weren't there, the sport wouldn't exist. So people need to understand that you can you can reconcile yourself competing to a certain level, you know, and that's absolutely fine and it's good and you're a lot better than thousands of other people in the country who would try and do that. So that's something to achieve, isn't it? That's something to be happy about. Yeah, no, listen, I, I, I'm all I'm all right with it, and you know, again. I said this to somebody the other day because lots of people, you know, all joking aside, I, I've had the piss taken out of me and that's fine because I knew it was coming. I knew it was going to be wide open for it anyway. Of course it was. There's no way I was ever going to go and do anything, um, you know, amazing anyway, let's be honest. Um, but, you know, 10 years ago, if somebody would have said to me, I would have been in a position where I could go and do it and even have what I've got now and, 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 and they do the rally in the way we do it now. And, we, you know, I'd like to say, think we do it properly with a proper team and everything else. Ten years ago, I would have snatched their hand off to, to even drive my R2. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's also respecting what, what I've got and what we've achieved and everything else. And I'm very lucky, as I say, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I've, I'm in a very privileged position where I can go and do stuff now, but I don't do it lightly, you know, and, and you know, it, it was a deal. The deal was 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 a no-brainer deal, which we put together, and it was through business, and that's what it comes down to. You know, with a lot of people I do business with, and we we, we put it all together. You know, that's that that's kind of the way things go when you get to a, a position. I think, um, you know, where you, you're involved in lots of different businesses and stuff like that, it all kind of works. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I can't justify spending my pension or my son's inheritance on me just driving an R5 car, whatever it may so be, don't. and being an all-soul run. Maybe a, maybe a, maybe a yeah. good place to finish, and I, I'm, I hope you don't mind me saying this, Tony, but yeah. it's it, there's not many people who get the chance to, to drive their their son's favorite toy either so that's a you know that that must have been a really <laughs> nice experience for you to, to to you know however the rally played out you know to come back into the service park and you know to have him there looking at you jumping out of that car you know he must be his hero and that's something really cool that you could take away with you afterwards yeah I'll, I, thanks mate and you know i did put that and i forget sometimes that i do put stuff on facebook and it's normally for me friends and family and i forget lots of people add you and stuff like that and, and I, I get it um but yeah the story just briefly was the fact that johnny's favorite rally car um was one of these um it was a scope it's a scope super 2000 and in the worker colors and it's quite funny because it's one of these ones that it's not really meant to be a toy it's meant to be on display but we took it out of the box and that's the one he carries around with him um so when jokingly i kind of put pictures of the cars up i went right which one should daddy have because i knew full well that i was doing something with Dommy and I knew what cars Dommy had and he went well I want it's Skoda and I said right fine and that's why the livery was done that way it was basically a, a kind of a little bit of a look at the work livery but instead of green it was orange because that's my corporate colours for my company um, so when he turned up and seen the full size car 
for the first time compared to his toy yeah. car. Yeah, yeah it was brilliant. Job, it was mega. It was mega. And I don't, I'm not doing that for any kind of sob story or, you know, whatever it was. It was just true. And that's the whole truth behind it. Has he, has he got so, Roman Crester on the side of his car? <laughs> no, he's got Johan. Ah, very good. Very good. And what was funny, when we had Johanan on the other week, he was great with me and Rye. Um, I kind of stayed in contact with him on WhatsApp and Johnny was playing with it one day and I sent him a WhatsApp saying, look, you're still, you're still, you're still affecting, <laughs> uh, you're still affecting generations, you know, kind of three or four generations ahead, which he, he loved the picture and that's mega. You know, he sent a nice message back. Uh, great car, you know, great, great boy and all that. So, so yeah, so there was, listen, there was loads of stuff going on and there was a few other bits and pieces going on, people who were with us as well. And, you know, we've had a bit of a tough time and it was a bit of a day out for them as well. So yeah, there was lots of stuff going on. I'm not going to go into it, but, um, but yeah, so, so there you go. All joking aside, yes, I had me a little bit of a rant. Um, um, and have, I still we got, have we got rid of the elephant out of the room now? <laughs> yeah, it's done now. Thanks, mate. We're out of that. So we're going to go to any other business anyway. Sorry, mate. We've done a lot, a lot more on that, what I thought we were going to do. Uh, but thanks, Jack and, and Ryan, John. So um, um, I'm going to save your any other business, John, for last, if that's okay, because I know what it is. Um, so I'll come to you first, Ryan. Uh, a couple of... Uh, couple of quick roundup things um i see now that uh, the fia are thinking of allowing the current generation of wrc cars to continue next year so originally they were banned from the wrc with the new rally one cars arriving but they're talking about potentially privateers being able to use the, the current cars so that was that was one that, that went well when yeah. they came out though didn't it Let's yeah <laughs> um and what was the other thing uh oh yeah uh funny enough it, Popped up a conversation earlier. I mean, obviously, uh, Rally Sardinia only been around at the uh, the WRC since uh, 2004. But of course, before that was the uh, the Costa Smeralda Rally, which uh, although maybe not everybody will know that listening, it was a big round of the European Rally Championship, and it was one that Lancia used to always go to and test with the likes of Kankina and Alain and people like Dario Chirato and. Uh, Piero Liatti and all, all people like that used to do the rally uh, and it was won a couple of times by Henry Teuvenen once in a, a Rothman's Porsche a Pro Drive Porsche as well um, uh, a final thing we're just just on the, the subject we just thought about congratulations to uh, to Sam Moffat on uh, on winning the first round of the British Championship great battle with Reese Yates all day only one second in it at the end um, unlucky for, for Frank Bird his car was, was found to be underweight at the end but he still drove it very well set some fantastic times actually for his uh, for, you know for a lack of experience really Matt Edwards was fast all day and and uh, just to mention to Joe Cunningham as well uh, the uh, the nephew of, um, of of Kevin Proctor Kevin had given him chance to drive an R5 Fiesta on the day he, he'd never sat in a thing before and, and but for a notional time on the on the first stage he'd have been fighting for the win as well he set a number of fastest times and it was a brilliant performance so well done Joe yeah couldn't agree more couldn't agree more well said uh, and Sam Moffat was ironically my teammate of the weekend he's a top boy as his, uh, as his Keith his co-driver as well we had a good bit of crack with them uh, Jack Bennion Sorry, my uh, my microphone was muted there for for reasons of uh, a loud engine noise in the background. Can you hear that? Oh. Can you hear it? Yeah, that's a that's a Citroen C3 WRC. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist. I was going to do my any other business on Alton Park as well, so I'll keep mine brief because you've basically covered all the things that I wanted to say. Uh, Joe Cunningham, I remember 
him being in the Corsa in 2015-2016 in a, a little Class A Corsa and setting top 10 times and just always finding him to be a really lovely bloke among, among other things a very very rapid driver so it was great to see him doing so well and David Henderton in a, in a Mark II Escort setting the fastest time on the last stage as well which was pretty impressive uh, great uh, on board of that as well Yes. By the way. Chris Williams up- uploaded the onboard, yes. didn't he? So go and search that. Chris Williams is uh, David Henderson's co-driver and a, a, a very good co-driver at that and, and someone who's always uh, sharing his kind of rally journey on social media, which is really entertaining. So thanks for that, Chris. Yeah, and go and uh, watch that. Onboard. David Henderson, former uh, Ford factory driver, of course, in a Puma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it always the same yep. guy? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just going just gonna to oh, mention okay. about the Puma link as well, yeah. And uh, also um, really like the... Uh, Seb Perez is Hooch liveried Ford Fiesta R5. If you've not seen that, go and search it out because I think it's one of the best liveries I've seen for some time. Um, I, I really like it. And it also on the handbrake, it says pull for lemons, which is, <laughs> which is absolutely fantastic given that it's a Hooch livery. So if you've not seen that, go and search it out. I think M Sport shared it and all the pictures are done in front of Dovenby Hall. So that was, that was quite cool. Um, obviously quite an inconsequential thing to mention, but um, yeah, really, really cool livery. So yeah, that's it for me. Uh, my, mine, mine again, but on more, more, more positive, I guess. Uh, Reshater's brother, yeah. <laughs> who, uh, who, 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 who does a bit of rallying from time to time, um, also put in an absolutely amazing performance in a brand new Fiesta. Yeah, yeah, I did. I thought he's James. I, I thought you see. That. James, I, yeah, I was trying to think of his name. Yeah, James, yeah, uh, I, can, I can tell you a bit about him if you want. He's uh, He kind of diverged at the point where Reese wanted to get into rally and James decided that he was going to kind of focus on the family business and, and stick working with that. But anytime he pops up anywhere, he's he's in the top five and is a very rapid uh, time out driver for, for sure. So um, they always bought that car with the idea that they were going to share it the first R5 they ever bought and, and the dad was going to have a go as well. And Reese kind of took it over and, and hogged it a little bit. But yeah, James is uh, rapid whenever he comes out. Do you know, I, I sat I sat with James and Reese in a little Suzuki Swift. Ah, it must have been eight eight years ago now when they both just come out of motocross and yeah. two two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, was that's it? Right. yeah. yeah. And and James was very yeah. natural then. You know, he just jumped in the Suzuki on gravel, and uh, yeah, he, he he was a good driver then. So yeah, like you said, great to see him set some times as well. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and a big yes. John. Uh, I know you've you you you've got a big piece of a- AOB. So the floor's yours. Thank mate. you. Uh, if cricket doesn't put you to sleep and if you've got a spare fiver you may want to find jonathan p desborough on just giving because i'm going to realize an ambition from a crazy idea you know me as a crazy idea man a bit of a maverick and that is to raise a bit of cash for grassroots cricket Cricket was my thing at school till I discovered I had to do some exams. Uh, girls came into my life, beer came into my life, university came into my life, and you know what cricket's like. Well, it's, it's even worse than rallying. There's no time for it at all. Um, so if you've got a spare fiver, if cricket doesn't put you to, to sleep, then please donate that fiver to Chance to Shine on Just Giving because I'm walking back from London next week to Dorset, and it's 10 days and all the nonsense will go on Facebook, including the picture that's on there at the moment. I just couldn't resist standing in a, a river with a cricket bat. Don't ask me why. It just seemed like a good idea at the time. That's how I got into this sport. So um, if you've got a spare fiver, please do give. It's going to grassroots sport, which is which will be sort of 7 to 11-year-old boys and girls who uh, kick around in cities and don't get much of a chance to run around and do anything. Chance to shine, give them a cricket bat and put a, uh, a cap on their he- heads and throw a ball at them and they, they run around on a 
wherever a playground or a playing field and enjoy a bit of sport which not a lot of them do these days you're very kind thank you very much very generous people well done john i hope you've got lots of podcasts to listen to to fill those 10 days <laughs> just don't listen to us don't listen to us for that. Uh, I know, absolutely. Listen, folks, thank you all um, for, 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 for the downloads. Um, if you've not got involved yet in the Kielder competition, um, we're going we're gonna to get that going again. We've had some emails in. We've had some more emails in. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tip the hat to a couple of people. Um, so Kenny Anderson, uh, Paul, Phil James, Quinton James, Yako Palm, Tom Law, Bertie Redfern, Dave the Badger. Uh, thank you all so far for your emails. Um, keep them coming in. Um, I will regurgitate the the picture with the with basically it's very self explanatory. It's the it's the title with the manufacturers. It's the one that stumped our own Ryan Champion, isn't it? Uh, right? Yes, it did on a, on a, a couple of cars. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So that's how tough it is. So, uh, so yeah. So I'm going to regurgitate that picture. Don't go for uh, the obvious week, answer. Obviously. That's all it's here. Yeah. So we're going to have uh, it's the end of the season. The final epi- the final episode of season 23 is when we will do the draw. So there you go, uh, folks. Enjoy uh, Rally Sodingy this weekend and keep the love flowing on uh, Facebook and on Twitter. And uh, again, the people who were at the rally who came over and we had some chats. Thank you so much. I it's really lovely to catch up with people as well who listen to the pod and some said some nice Did images and stuff like that so thank you no uh, no I haven't done that for a long time mate when was the last time you did one right um, well, I can't remember do you know what right <laughs> do you remember like BRC days like 20 years ago when we used to do like all the starts and stuff like that and of course that's where it all used to happen and I genuinely used to say that you've got no idea who I am so I can put anything in it doesn't really just matter just as a final thought I used to get people who genuinely thought they knew who I was until I told them that I wasn't Angus Deaton <laughs> <laughs> on that note Thanks for the download, folks. We'll be back same time, same place in the podcast all next week. Absolute Rally. Powered by the Kielder Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week.